0: I'm not even kidding. Oh, one wheeling? Yeah. I got a new one, by the way. And yeah, it's been raining and, (laughs) and I took a really hard fall and i didn't sleep all night because i think i'm i think i probably just bruised my ribs but it like i can't breathe really well and i can't cough when i cough it hurts so bad it's been a horrible night
1: you've (laughs) broke a rib before
0: yes and it's on the same side but anyway i'm just gonna wait until it dries and because it's brand new it has twice the power twice the speed twice the torque it's twice the weight and i'm not twice the skill
2: especially when it's icy outside yeah you know, good <laughs> chef's kiss age
0: i like to shred man you know <laughs> it's that float life jen
2: so that is your new thing harry you're into ai you're going to become a cyborg that's your next
0: i mean pretty much i've replaced my legs with the one wheel <laughs> and i've replaced it's my brain
2: replacement yeah
0: <laughs> with chat GPT. and you're-
2: Hey, has um, ChatGPT been editing all of our podcasts lately? Because yeah.
1: <laughs> Yes. Okay. Monday, yeah. Monday yeah. issues are brought to you by ChatGPT. <laughs> no, all
0: right. But yes, the company behind ChatGPT has a podcast editing software called Descript, and that is what I use. It cuts the time down by about 80% it's not perfect is, I don't know, do y'all even listen to our podcast after yes, they're posted? That's how I know. Yeah. In the
2: beginning, it's like,
0: yeah, do, 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 well, do. it just, it makes cuts on its own. So I don't have to, but it does make it a little, little jerky sometimes, but you know what? I'm on the 80, 20. Well, as, as long as 80% of it's good, that's all you have to worry about. And
2: 80% of the time I don't work.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the idiots <laughs> flipped on my case, Jen, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's, that, that's a great leadership to tell your associates is like <laughs> just get it 80 percent, guys i mean because really the last 20 percent is a lot of effort for nothing
2: uh, and so
0: you know that 20 percent lets me go out and break my ribs out on a one wheel instead of editing safely in my desk chair all right let's let josh here in this is rick's na you know it's a near beer gin
2: oh i know I'm, josh and i go way back. part of the angle here he's a oh, vet cool
0: well, yeah. yeah, because I noticed that they're based in Austin, right? Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Josh is a vet. He, he's uh, behind Hobson Grain that started oh. here in
0: 2011. So now he's. I remember he's, that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Turning, turning well, sites to the
2: NA. And well, we're talking about him like. Let's he's talk
0: about him. Yeah. <laughs> let's continue to talk about him as if he's not here. <laughs> and uh, hello, Josh. I'm Harry. Jen, why don't you introduce our guests? And we'll, we're just going to launch right into it, Josh. That's how we do things around here. We just
2: go. Okay. Awesome. Well, let me introduce to the pod. Josh Hare, founder of Rick's Near Beer. As we were just saying, Josh is no stranger to the industry. He founded the well-known hops and grain brand more than 10 years ago here in Austin. And now he's turning his sights to the NA beer world, launching Rick's Near Beer, I believe, at the end of last year. Is that right, Josh?
3: Yeah, December 1 we launched.
2: Nice, nice. So Part of the reason we wanted to talk to you about this brand is that I found the positioning so interesting because one of the things we've been talking about with any beer is it's so expensive, right? But you seem to have seen that and you guys price your beer, I believe, under $10 a six pack and you're really going for that like classic beer brand look, which is different too. So tell us about what makes your approach different.
3: Yeah, you know, for me, I think i I've, as you said, I, I've been in the beer industry for a little while and I have been involved on the craft side. So very familiar with pricing strategy for craft and all of those components. And, you know, I think value propositions are important. And NA beer in particular being fairly, you know, let's just call it fairly new in terms of like the craft. It was really important for me that it was an approachable brand, both from a price perspective, but also just from a familiarity and kind of, you know, brand equity perspective. And so I wanted to, one, make sure that the price was approachable and was almost in that kind of, you know, premium domestic range, not in the 14 16 $18 a six pack, but more in the $10 a six pack. Because at the end of the day, it's hard to convince someone to buy something without alcohol in it and fetch a price close to something that has alcohol in it. But at the same time, you know, if we wanted people to adopt the brand and really, you know, dig into it, it needed to be approachable. And the brand itself, you know, doesn't scream at you, pay $16 a six pack, you know, it screams at you, like, put this on your grocery list and make this a part of kind of the everyday for you. So that, that was, I guess, initially the piece on the the pricing it's yeah. got like
0: coors banquet vibes to it you know and it's hey uh,
3: thank you for saying that i you, you know, know <laughs> a banquet a day keeps the doctor away I, Damn right. I, yeah
1: yeah yeah i you know i wanted to ask real quick josh is the importance of local for craft is that going to play into non-out craft do you think rick's is based in texas but it i believe the beer is produced in colorado and harry was saying it has like that rocky mountain imagery did it worry you at all that this wouldn't ooze Texas? Or do you think this is just kind of a different game as it relates to
3: local and non-alc? You're absolutely right that it does not ooze Texas. And, you know, I mean, there's mountains on the can itself. I mean, it very much is staying in a space that I didn't think needed to be local focused, right? I moved to Austin from Boulder, Colorado. So I, you know, I, I am kind of a I've been in Austin for 16 years, so I claim myself as a local. That's a vibe and a just a culture that I appreciate and I think Texas appreciates, but I wasn't really worried about it being a local thing. I think that it's very different from Hops and Grain, the brand that I built in Austin, where knowing where it was made, going to tour the brewery, all of those things were incredibly important. But I don't think, I mean, not even speaking just to non-alk, but in beer in general, brewery tours are kind of a relic of the past. Like that's not a thing that I think people care that much about. The we I've gotten a lot of questions about ricks, and I think I've only gotten one out of the hundreds of questions that pertain to where is it produced, and so that. Wow pretty clearly tells me that, you know, I mean, if you're delivering a product that people want, that they like to drink, that tastes good, fits with their lifestyle and makes them smile when they drink it, you know, who cares where it was made? And so, yeah. Josh, um,
0: where is it made?
3: (laughs) I can't tell you that. Yeah, uh, it's made in Denver, Colorado.
0: At the Molson Coors?
3: no I <laughs> know that they're speaking of banquet times, no. <laughs> yeah okay
0: breaking news <laughs> no, no we'll cut that and post no. um, chat GPT cut that in post <laughs> okay go ahead Jen with the interview before I derail it too much well, but
2: as a follow-up I think all of that conversation begs the question how big is the market for this brand does it go beyond Texas because I know that you guys already have a mandate in HEB um,
3: so you know The market that I'm super familiar with over the, you know, almost a dozen years is is obviously Texas. And HEB is such an incredible partner. They've always been, I think, a leader in, especially in the grocery chain world. You know, I, it's funny to watch how the sets in places that are not HEB in Texas look because they reflect a lot of the way that the sets in HEB look. And they're really a leader just in terms of. The way that they strategize and, you know, I think the way that they put together their planograms is just incredible. And so that was really a priority for me is I want to make sure that if HEB puts this into the spring resets, that's a huge win first and foremost. And then I'm going to look at the rest of Texas as, okay, how do I take this win, make it look great and leverage some of that? Because it's super important in negotiating with distributors and just, you know, your brand being relevant in general. But as far as where can it travel? How can it travel? We're talking right now with Colorado distributors. That's a huge, you know, for me, it's important because obviously I have roots there, but also I think the brand resonates there from a, just really, I think it resonates there and also it's produced there. So it's kind of nice from a logistical standpoint to have distributors aligned, you know, in that area. But to start, I think the Texas, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Colorado, you know, that's really going to be a focal point. We have had a lot of inbound interest from distributors on the West Coast, as well as in the, and then the e-commerce sales that we've done thus far, that's been fascinating. We've shipped beer to 25 different states at this point. And the majority of those have been Illinois, California, Florida, Colorado, behind Texas, obviously.
2: So have y'all signed any distributors yet, or is that still in the works?
3: I can't say. We've almost filled out the state of Texas. Got Houston and San Antonio locked in. Austin will be locked in by the end of the week. North Texas, West Texas, Lubbock Amarillo Panhandle area will be locked in probably by the end of the week as well. So I I can't say all yet, but the HEV reset piece was a, a huge. I was waiting on that just to make sure that we had, you know, the brand I think is valuable, but, you know, having that behind it added some extra value.
0: Yeah. yeah. That just kind of goes to your experience because I think a lot of people come into the industry ask backwards and they go to the <laughs> distributor without having any authorizations or, you know, even a plan to go to the chains. And, you know, when people say, who, you know, which distributor should I go with in Florida? I'm like, well, you should go to Publix first and find out if you can get set. <laughs> sure. But, uh, go ahead, Jen. I talked to you.
2: No, you're good. So Josh, we know that the brand is made in an underground bunker somewhere in Denver, but <laughs> right. you've got a tap room, I believe, opening on the east side for it too, right? Can you explain the whole angle there?
3: Yeah. So uh, East Austin is near and dear to my heart. I've lived in East Austin ever since I moved here in 05. And the e-commerce component has been you know, the only channel that we've had since we launched on December 1st. And I am currently the one that's fulfilling all of those e-commerce orders. So all of you listening who have received a package, thank you very much. It was lovingly (laughs) taped together and packed up by yours truly. But I did want a space that was a little more efficient, that I could store more product. But then also it's important, not necessarily to have a brewery that people tour, but to just have a space that people can pop into. You know, I had been watching... This is a new area for me in beverage alcohol, because obviously, or maybe not obviously, but in Texas, direct-to-consumer sales of beer have not been legal, right? You know, you can't make home deliveries, you can't do any of those things. And with non all of a sudden, opportunities were kind of opened up. And so I got really deep into paying attention to all of these abandoned carts on the e-commerce site. And the majority of them were in Austin. And so, you know, It didn't take long for me to sort out, well, it's a brand from Austin. Why do you buy a six pack for 10 bucks and then pay $8 to have it shipped in Austin? So I can only assume that the abandoned carts were somewhat related to that. And so it was two pronged, one, to have a space that was more efficient for fulfilling e-commerce, but then also to have a retail storefront that people can either get a curbside, you know, delivery of their product or just pop in, grab a six pack. Crack open a can, you know, hang out. So uh, yeah, I've got a space over in East Austin at 5th and Pet, which will be opening in about a week.
0: I like yeah. that Willie Nelson on the corrugated <laughs> tin back there. That's pretty badass.
3: Thanks. So some detail on that. It is painted on a bunch of zigzags, rolling papers. Oh, cool. Uh, oh, that wow. are burnt, burned around the edges and it's painted in charcoal paint. So Oh, uh, wow.
1: Very on <laughs> brand for old Willie. Oh, uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> I thought...
1: Well, at the tap room is that going to be all? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It'll be
3: all non-alcoholic stuff. Gotcha.
1: And when you think about styles, how do you determine, you know, what styles to go after? Because when I think about craft tap room, you know, so many people look at ABV and they're looking at what's the highest. Sometimes. So, how do you determine like popular styles without consideration of ABV into it?
3: It's a different calculus. You know, uh, The to me, I guess, flavor impact almost replaces uh, alcohol impact. You know, with the products that we're producing, one, I wanted something that was just incredibly enjoyable, approachable, and that we could produce in the price point that was important to me. And so that's Rick's original, you know, our Pilsner, very straightforward. The process that we utilize is a full strength beer that then has the alcohol removed. And it's brewed as a five percent ABV Pilsner, very kind of straightforward in terms of the simplicity of ingredients, but you know, big in terms of crushability and something that is like ah, it tastes like a beer because it started as a beer. It's still a beer, but then you know, you're I think you're kind of an idiot if if you ignore IPA, and an IPA is a style that is understood and. It's a style that I love, you know, I love every kind of flavor of IPA and I like brewing them and I've been brewing them for 12 years. So that's the other, you know, Rick's Hazy is our second brand. In terms of how do you put together a menu in a tap room full of beers that have no alcohol in them, it wasn't about the intoxication we translated more to the way it feels when you're inside of the space. So it is chock full of lots of old beer memorabilia i've been shopping at antique malls all over texas over the past month to find some really cool stuff there's taxidermy you know on the walls like it's just a it's a really neat it feels like a dive bar or a feed store or a you know hunting lodge it's just an incredibly welcoming space right in the heart of hipster east austin foot traffic plenty and so the customer that would come in and be like what's the strongest Our hope is that when they open the doors, they're already overwhelmed with like, this is the strongest because the vibe (laughs) inside of the space just feels so good. And then it's like, yeah, I'll crack open a can of whatever you got, you know. I I love that.
0: Look, at I got to check out what I got here at the risk of pissing off some of our readers.
3: I don't know if my camera
0: will go over that far.
2: You're giving me epilepsy here. I've got a
0: Lone Star and a Pearl. See that Uh, up there?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: And there's a Pearl. You can't see anyway. I got all kinds of things going on here that y'all don't even know about. And I'm not even going to tell you. You, Yeah, I got to keep, I keep secrets, Josh. I don't know if you know that about me, but I think that's really cool though. Not that you're like chasing a fad, but it seems like that's coming back into style. That kind of that old Austin, that's the Austin I grew up with. You know, I went to UT in the nineties and the Jackalope bar was hot on six. The Texas chili parlor kind of vibe, you know, I love that place. And those things are coming back and I'm glad they are. So I don't ask, I don't ask questions. I just make pronouncements.
2: (laughs) That's
3: what I'm here for. (laughs) Don't (laughs) let let him hear that Willie
2: Nelson picture. You'll find it gone, Josh.
3: (laughs) I've got a lock on the office door. You know, the (laughs) taproom.
2: Let me, I got one more and then we'll probably wrap up here, but I can't help but wonder these days, you know, when somebody opens a new NA space or brand, Are they angling for the day that cannabis becomes legal, right?
3: You know, it's, I'm always angling for cannabis to become legal. I mean, (laughs) you know, not just with the beverage side, but it just makes the most sense. But I, you know, I don't necessarily see, at least for Rick's, I don't see a cannabis product within that. You know, I think the vibe and the personality that Rick's Near Beer embodies is, you know, cannabis is, are, is already there.
2: Yeah. Uh, it doesn't
3: need to be necessarily in the liquid that's being produced. And so, you know, yeah, no, CED Ricks is not, you know, on the roadmap, but I hope in Texas, you know, bless Sid Miller for all the stuff he did for hemp in a, in an interesting way. You know, eventually I think lawmakers will start to recognize the tax benefits and so we'll, we'll, we'll I see. love that
0: they made THC from hemp legal. I don't even think the politicians know what that even no. means. I think it was an accident. <laughs> they, 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 they have don't. no idea that you can get you know eight milligrams of THC in a gummy just like you can in California, but it just comes from hemp. And I love that. I love little tricks. That's what makes the world go around. And if you think that I'm not buying 7.5 milligram <laughs> gummies... Um, early bird and other people and they're in austin then you're crazy come at yeah. me greg abbott come at me boy
3: <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> yeah well and minnesota was such a fascinating and hysterical yes, yes. Place to watch
0: they interviewed some state senator he's like i just what? think we legalized the most lettuce mm, it was hilarious Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. good times
2: well, yep i think that's all i got unless you guys have anything else, but Josh, I will show up at that tap room and I'm going to use it as my free office space. So I hope you have coffee.
3: We do. And free Wi-Fi, Absolutely. Perfect. Oh
0: gosh. Don't tell her that I mean, <laughs> she gets on her torrent sites and we have to buy her a new computer like every three months. Not even kidding. And Jordan was like, I sat next to her at a conference, and the, it, the computer was humming. It was working so hard. She had like thirty tabs open, and it was smoke coming out of it. And
1: you could hear that fan just running. That's <laughs> true. That's
2: true. It's true. My lap was very hot. Yeah.
0: Well, Josh, thanks for being on BeerNet Radio. This is where all your dreams come true, and I hope (laughs) they do. You know, next time I'm in Austin, maybe I'll shoot you a text, and maybe I can come by and and see the place and have a near beer with you if you're around.
3: Absolutely. Thank you for for hosting me. Please do. Come visit.
1: Yeah, you bet. All right, guys. Well, thanks for being on, and we'll see you later.
2: Bye.